Okay, so we are on uh, lesson six um, of the Bible study, and uh, I feel like this is probably one of the hardest lessons in here, uh, at least thus far, because um, who's managed to tame the tongue? <laughs> Keith, how did you do it? Oh, you cut it out. He just cut it out. So if your tongue offendeth thee, cut it out. That's, that's how it goes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is really interesting because, of course, it's not just the tongue, is it? It's what controls the tongue. Um, so, uh, where should we start? Let me just refresh our memory on the intro. It's a, it's a pretty short intro. So, he says, Some while ago, I was asked to give a talk about my early life and why I had chosen the path that I did. And I was surprised when preparing the talk to discover how many of the key moments in my first 15 years had to do with my teachers. Like many others, I suppose, I had some good teachers and some bad ones. But among the good ones, there were two or three who took the trouble to get to know me, to find out what made me tick, and to give me friendly words of encouragement and advice. Often, excuse me, that's, that's all that it takes Someone you trust says one or two sentences and the door opens into a whole new world. So his open question is, how have one or two teachers had a significant impact on you? Perhaps even affecting directions you've taken in your life. Anybody have any uh, examples, experiences? About teachers in your life, Glenda? Right here, Matt. Um, well, when I was in high school trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life, <laughs> um, I had decided I was going to be a nurse. And I um, couldn't figure out how to go about it, so I talked to my counselor. My counselor said, oh, you need to get into computers. That is the coming thing. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I went and did some research on it, and it's really a, it was really an up-and-coming thing, you know, just because it hadn't hit the schools yet and no personal computers in your home. Right. So um, it was a good thing that she suggested that because I did eventually get into computers and and uh, help people with, you know, help desk stuff. So, anyway. The only downside is that you were forced to work with me at some point. <laughs> Larry? And then Keith. Um, what happened in my life, I, when I was in the eighth grade, um, mom died. I, I think I was 13 years old. And um, my eighth grade teacher she was she was a, a good person morally spamming well I, anyway she 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 cared for me and took me aside to talk to me about some maybe some of the i'm about some of the people i was associating with and that's that's the one i guess the only one that has come to my mind that she cared enough to talk to me about I'm, maybe I better do some changing about some of the people I was running around with at that time in my life. 
Yeah, that's life-changing, isn't it? You know, depending on who we're running around with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember in sixth grade, <clears throat> I had the first teacher who kind of treated us like we were her children, like her children, not just her classmates. She was just a homeschool teacher, but I had her for English as well. And I remember developing a relationship with her. And then she invited our whole class to come to her house for an end of the school year, which was, I had never heard of that, for an end of the school year party outside her house. I just remember she was, so being her in the home room with her, we had a basketball tourney. So it was a homeroom tourney. So we played against other schools. And she came and, of course, was watching our, our team play, which was her homeroom. And I remember we lost the like the final game, and I remember being heartbroken because I wanted to win so bad. I remember coming over to her, and because she was cheering us on, and she knew how devastated I was because I felt like I'd kind of let our team down. She had tears in her eyes as she put her arms around me and hugged me. I just remember that moment as like a moment of it's okay, you know, and. From coming from a teacher, it just it was just a little bit different, and it was uh, I said it was kind of life changing because I'd never had anybody kind of cared about what I was going through like she did, and for a teacher to do that, I thought that was pretty impressive for me at least. And she and she turned out to be a believer. We we would talk later on. So yeah. Anybody else have anything to share about teachers? Doesn't even have to be formal teachers, right? Sometimes we have. You know, mentors in our life that that fill that role. And yeah, yeah. Never know where we end up. Yeah. All right. So the first uh, the first question he has here. Um, oh, we have another one. Sorry, David. Yeah, no problem. I was late coming. <laughs> yeah, there was, I was about probably five years old before I ever started school. We didn't have kindergarten back then in my class. But uh, a little old lady down the street from us, and I, we lived on the last street before you get out of city limits in Oilton. And there was this old lady about two blocks down, she would walk up to our house on Sunday mornings and greet my older brother and I and take us down to the highway and down to the Church of God. And I can still remember this day going down to the basement down there on the green painted floor, the green little picnic table type things, and that's when I learned about Jesus. And that had an impact on me all of my life. Yeah. I wasn't a great person. I've had, you know, like everybody else, you know, and I was a wild teenager and all that, but there are a few sins, a few things I just could not go to simply because of Miss Giddens. Yeah. yeah. Brad? And then? Can't even begin to count all of them there. But it saddens me that so many of them have now died. And they're like lights that have gone out in the world. Yeah. And it's really that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, just a reminder, everybody, when you have the mic, make sure that you hold it up close enough to your your mouth. You don't have to eat it, you know. I mean, unless you're a rock star or something. All right, so question one. Let's jump, jump into this. Um, having begun with a somber warning about how difficult it is to come up with the mark, 
uh, come up to the mark as a teacher, James expands the point. Taming the tongue in general for anyone is so difficult as to be almost impossible. Except Keith has figured it out. <laughs> Get that right, and you've obviously got your entire self under control. The tongue, it seems, is the last bit of a human being to learn its lesson. How does James say in verses 3 and 4 that the tongue is like a, a bit and a rudder? Mark? There we go. Okay. Um, yeah, in, in, those, in that context, what James is saying, I, I wrote it's, uh, yeah, your tongue, your mouth, it almost controls how you're seen by the world. It's, it's that powerful. I mean, obviously, yeah, if you have a personality, everything else, you may have some physical traits that make you stand out. Right. But what you say matters. It can be seen, can be t mis mistaken the wrong way. But it's very, very powerful, and I think that's what James is saying for both good and bad. Yeah, it changes the course of your life, Ron. Yeah, I think uh, one thing he's getting at is though, even though it's one of the smallest parts of our body, you can still control it, maybe because it is one of the smallest parts. So we do have a say. In <laughs> you do have a say? <laughs> All jokes aside. You don't say. <laughs> but yeah, we have a say in what we say. Right, right. Or maybe we should have a thought or a, a heart for what we say, right? Because we'll get into that. Somebody else. Fran? I think, I think understanding also that um, our words have meanings. And we can say things in anger that we really don't mean. And we can go back and apologize, but that doesn't erase that word. Right. So... Controlling your tongue when you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's really the fine point of it, isn't it? Is, is controlling your tongue when you're emotional. I mean, it, lots of times it's mad, but, but it can be other emotions. And that drives the tongue. Um, yeah, anybody else have any thoughts on this one? So, question two. We know all too well how the tongue is a fire. And it's kind of funny, isn't it? We have tongues of fire. I mean, I, I don't know which came first, but ready to set things ablaze from the way the media eagerly uh, trips up politicians and other public figures. We know that one word out of place can ruin a career or bring down a government. And of course, you know, I would add to this uh, a one word that you said 15 years ago in a whole different context can now be sucked out of the Internet and put in a new context, right? and destroy careers and lives. And sometimes, you know, literally, people can take their lives over it. One unwise remark reported and circulated on the internet can cause riots on the other side of the world. We've seen that. So says James, the tongue is like a little world of it, uh, uh, all of its own, a country within a country, the larger area, the person as a whole may be well governed, but in this small region, corruption and wickedness reign unchecked. When have you seen or experienced significant damage caused by a few words? Reg? January 6th. 
in one word. I mean, I mean, the, the riot, the riots that were caused from, from the incitement is unbelievable. They tore down our capital. Anybody else? Uh, in our oh. Oh, go ahead yes in our family we had um, uh, one person say stuff and it separated the family mm. they, they didn't speak to well I'll say this it was um, one brother didn't speak to the brother the other brother and the grandson didn't even know he had cousins and met one of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, one time when I was still quite worldly, I was invited to a church service, and these people says, hey, we want to introduce you to our minister. And of course, speaking out loud, I spoke kind of roughly, and the man was, the man was right behind me. And it was really embarrassing, <laughs> but it is also, you know, as one of those times that you learn to be careful what you're saying and uh -huh. who who might be around can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that reminds me, a friend of mine who was Welsh. I remember he was telling me one time that he was in a uh, a, a line at a post office or something, you know, something, and uh, two ladies started talking about him behind him, and they were talking in Welsh. Well, he knew Welsh, so he turned around and started talking to them in Welsh. <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> Ken, did you have your hand up? The statement about the media, it occurs to me that the media also needs to have control of its mouth because it can destroy a lot. It has a huge influence. I mean, we have to be careful of what we say. Yeah, we all have to be careful. And yeah. we all have to be. Uh, you know, I've, I'm not going to tell that joke. But anyway, we have Yeah, be, be careful what you say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, because we can. We can run off at the mouth. We can get in trouble quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and, but we also need to pay attention to, to what's being said. And, and use our brain. Yeah. How does James explain the outrageousness of the inconsistencies in the tongue? And that's verses 9 through 12. You guys remember that? I'm going to read that to you. The verses 9 through 12. With it, you know, with the tongue, we bless our God and Father and then with it, we curse men, right? So, you know, the other, it's, it's the biblical version of do you kiss your mother with that mouth, right? You know, but it's, it's, that, it's that version, right? Um, who have been made in the solemnitude, in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same spring? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, uh, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Ken? Yeah. <clears throat> he, he points out, you know, how the same tongue can praise God, then turn right around and curse people who are made in his image. 
and from one mouth can come beautiful praises of God and then horrid words that shouldn't be uttered. It's like a spring, as he points out, that brings out salty water and fresh water. Um, it shouldn't be that my mouth can produce foul language and, and praise. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when I've read this in the past, I almost think like, well, am I really praising then if, if, this, if the other can come out of me? Uh, but, but yes, it's true. You know, unlike these other things, uh, a spring or a, a particular plant or tree or whatever, yeah, we can give both evil and, and good fruit. Larry, did you want to? Did you have something to say? Okay, sorry, I thought I, thought I saw you. Anybody else have any thoughts on this? Reg? Our hearts and minds are compartmentalized, and we can shut off the one valve and turn on another just as easily, and the two never have to uh, exist or flow from the same spigot. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because that's really where it's coming from, right? I mean, we, we talk about it as the tongue, because that's the part that does the damage and <laughs> sets on fire, but in reality, it's the heart and the mind. Now Larry's ready. Really, uh, is, isn't it in um, Mark, maybe the seventh chapter, where he talks about what comes, comes out of the mouth? What does he say about that? What comes out of the mouth? Is that, doesn't he say that is what defiles a person? Mine, mine says that. And, of course, it all, everything that comes out of the mouth... <laughs> It, this is your control center, and that's where it all comes from. Yeah. And what we, we as Christians, are, we're under, we're under a different standard than the world. <clears throat> we're we are, and should be under God's standards, which are totally opposite from what the standard that we have come out of. Yeah. And we 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 should we just. We've been called to be a light, light in a dark, dim world. And really, we need to be attached to the one that makes it, that we're able to be lights too. And he says that, what, in John 15th chapter? We have to be attached to the vine. And we're supposed to be fruitful. And we're supposed to be lights setting the right example. Yeah, yeah in Luke chapter 3. 6, uh, 43 to 45, it says, uh, For a good tree does not bear a bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, they do not gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, and that's that's the source of our words. Mark? Oh, I'm at um, I was just talking to Renee earlier um, about the literal power behind words. Um, like that experiment where you take two jars of rice, and in one of them you speak love, and one of them you speak hate, and you let them sit. The one you spoke hate to turns black, and I feel like it just carries that frequency, that it, literal life and death. 
It actually reminds me of that movie. Have you guys ever seen that movie uh, Arrival, I think it was? No? It, it's kind of a very cerebral, you know, um, sci-fi movie, but the whole thing is about language and how powerful the language can be and this particular alien language can even like speak the future. Well, that's what we do all the time, right? We speak the future. Uh, and we can speak a negative or positive future in the lives of people, you know? Say that again. Uh, especially our children. A careless word, right, can, can really have very negative effects. What James is after then is consistency. He wants people to follow Jesus through and through, to be a blessing only, uh, to, to be blessing only people rather than blessing and cursing people. It is a high standard, but we should expect no less if the gospel is indeed the message of salvation. The danger, as always, is that people will take the bits of the message they want, and quietly leave the real ch uh, challenges to one side. But, it, can, it, but it, uh, it, it can't be done. The spring must be cleansed so that only fresh, sweet water comes out. For this, we need help. That, un that, fortunately, is what the gospel offers. In what specific ways would you bless friends, enemies, family, co-workers, fellow Christians, or those of other beliefs more consistently? Fran? Look for good at them. Look for positive things about them, and then that's what you talk about. Mm -hmm. So you're looking to edify the individual, right? The one that jumped out to me I'm going to be a little edgy here. I'm going to mind my tongue, though. Um, uh, fellow Christians or those of other beliefs. Now, you can actually mash them together and say, well, fellow Christians with other beliefs, right? Because there isn't a single denomination of Christianity. I imagine because of the tongue <laughs> in lots of ways, right? Why is all these different denominations? And sometimes we can treat other denominations as the other. Even within our, even our smaller confines of the Church of God community, we know churches, that they are the one true church, right? At least according to them. And how they speak about others really shows forth the fruit of what's actually in their life, right? And so we see this across all of Christianity. How do we speak God's truth, what we know to be true, but without the condemnation, without the belittling, you know, without the, uh, the, the right and wrong attitude with those, with those beliefs. Keith? Ask a question. Yeah. No. Just use spawns and thoughts. Um, right. We're talking about fruit, yeah. and I, I forget which book I've been reading in, but it talks about fruit. There's a maturing process, so it's a process. And so, like Reg brought up, you know, it's possible to speak and shut off and do things. But what we're trying to do is mature this fruit so that it's doing the right thing more than it's doing the wrong thing. And I remember a teacher in college who had us read the, uh, 
uh, what's the the New Testament uh, small book? I'm trying to think the one. Toward, man, I drew a blank. It's the small book in the New Testament, right? I think it's sometime after James. Philemon. Yeah, no, the one right before Philemon. Amos? No, that's a prophet. What's the one before Philemon? Huh? Jude? Titus, the book Titus. of Titus. Yeah, just yeah, read yeah. that short letter of Titus. Uh, three times before we came to class the next time. Well, that's kind of odd. So we read over it, and then his message for that class was, speak no evil of anyone. So that did that is in that letter. And I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal? Well, we talked about how big a deal it is and how hard it is for us as believers not to speak evil of anyone. I mean, you say anyone, well, what about, and then you start putting all the different people that you can't, it's not that they're not evil and that there's not things you can't say, but the fact is, don't speak evil of no one, puts you in a place where, like we're talking about, they're looking for edification, looking for things to do, and like that person must be going through something Let's pray for them rather than to speak evil. So right. it's just, it put a whole, like I said, that's made a difference in my life since that class way long time ago, so. Yeah, it's a difference between saying, what's wrong with him versus what happened to him, right? You're still asking the question, and it still lets you explore maybe how they're treating people or treating you. It's a different attitude. Larry? Um. Okay, on this particular question, it talks he, about how we can bless others. Or really, I, if we can give them support and encouragement, maybe in what they're doing can be a blessing in helping them. And if maybe sometimes... You can give them a, a scripture comes to your mind. You, maybe you can relate that to them, what God says about a, a specific matter. Some people I, I know that <laughs> they don't want anything to do with, but it may be involved in a situation where wisdom is, is needful. Or decide, I mean, but if you can decide, maybe this person is somewhat op open-minded and they are willing to listen to what God says, and if you can do that, that's the what that's the thing to be doing. Anybody else have any thoughts? Let's jump to uh, question six because Larry just mentioned wisdom there. Um, he uh, N.T. Wright asks us, "Why does James connect humility and wisdom? Why are those two things connected?" Knowing when to speak, um, knowing that you don't have all the answers, so maybe you shouldn't talk at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, so, what is that? What is that knowing? What what? What's another word for that? Knowing that you don't necessarily know everything. Humility, right? So it's being teachable. There's no way we're going to get wise if we're not humble. We have to accept there's something I don't know. You know, even just a little bit. <laughs> right? So I think it's really what he's, he's, 
And it ties all the way to the very beginning, too, because he's talking about, all right, don't just run out there to be teachers. Like, you, you got it all down, you know, which sometimes we're apt to do. We're very confident about a topic, you know, whether it's political or religious or whatever topic it is. And, you know, we're off to the races and we're being a teacher. Uh, there's, a, there's a warning there that he gives us. It's probably better for us, right, to be willing to be taught than to be a teacher. And to have that wisdom that, that comes from that. So then he says, how does James distinguish the wisdom that is earthly and the wisdom that comes from demons? Reg. Not all wisdom is of God. The snake, for example, was the most cunning, most wise uh, animal or creature in the, in the garden. The, the, wi the wisdom that comes from the world, from the demonic, is the wisdom to know what kind of decisions to make, how to profit, how to gain, uh, how to uh, improve oneself. But it is self-centered. It's not other-centered. And that's the big difference between godly wisdom and uh, uh, Solomon for example had all the greatest of wisdom of all but he misused some of that wisdom as well mm -hmm. so I mean, you're right but the question he's asking is how does earthly wisdom and the wisdom that comes from demons how is it different it's a trick question it's not <laughs> They are the same. He says it. They're, it's the same thing. It's demonic. He said all the wisdom of the world is essentially it's demonic. I mean, think about that. It is Satan's world in, in, in many ways. Yeah. So it's a bit of a trick question because when I was looking at it, I was like, did he mean to write this question this way? But it is important for us to, to remember that, you know, um, because we, any one of us can get taken away with other thinking in, in the world that seems good and, and maybe has some value to it. And, and does, we don't see any down, downside. But we always need to approach it with that, that awareness that the wisdom of the world is demonic. Satan-inspired. Um. When have you experienced the results of bitter jealousy and contention within a Christian community, within yourself? Renee? I think this question pulls together some thoughts from some of the previous questions uh, when it talks about within yourself, because as the other scripture from, was it Matthew or Mark? referenced about out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so there's um there's a thing called self-talk which happens to all of us whether we're aware of it or not and it's i think a lifetime it's built up over a lifetime of of things that other people have said to us things we've absorbed about ourselves maybe even lies that the enemy has told us that we have been ripe to believe about ourselves and so that that discord within ourselves of wanting to be who God says we are, but knowing or even believing a lie that we are not who we want to be, or our, our goodness comes out of 
what we do as opposed to the fact that Jesus has made us good through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his sacrifice, all of that, it, it becomes really a, a mess inside of a person's mind. And sometimes we believe those lies. And so then if we have that sort of a negative condemning self-image and our self-talk is of that nature, then that's going to be what comes out of us aimed at other people. Mm-hmm. And that does create contention. Yeah, uh, was it uh, C.S. Lewis says that no, no man or woman can teach what they themselves do not possess, right? It's also the inverse. We teach what we possess. Um, and so self-condemnation will breed condemnation to others. How can you love others as yourself without treating others the way you treat yourself? It is, it's a trap. Yeah, understanding what you're saying. Yeah. Anybody else? When have you experienced the results of bitter jealousy and contention within a Christian community within yourself? Um, It was, I guess, more of a contention issue um, when my sister was sick with breast cancer. And I won't say the church over in Britain that wouldn't put prayer requests out for her. And what kind of Christian are you? Just asking for simple prayers, and they wouldn't do it for whatever reason, because she wasn't in their church, which is one of them. Wow. But uh, that caused some contention in my family, and we did not appreciate it. No. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's where the rubber hits the road, right? That's personal. That's, that's affecting people's lives, because it's, it's, you start to make all kinds of judgments about why they're doing that. What are they saying? Are they saying that you are this or you're not good enough or all of these different things? Yeah, that's very hurtful. Anybody else have any experiences? I know you do. You all came out of the worldwide. <laughs> let's just let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, you know, we we've all experienced negative in, uh, environments within churches. Because it's full of what? People that are full of tongues, right? Steve? What we were trying to do is forget that, I think. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it, it actually affected my wife and I. We, were early, you know, we had a, a contentious uh, situation with um, a pastor in the worldwide church. And, uh, um, and trying to separate the two of us, uh, different things that were going on. Um, anyway, yeah, and so it took a while to get over it. Um, that's why it's important not to have that. Uh, you know, one of the things that um, scripturally there uh, in in Proverbs is, you know, not to separate brethren, uh, and that's something that um, will really affect the uh, congregation when it starts to. Be you know affecting each individuals and so um, yeah and anyway <laughs> I won't go on about that yeah one of the is it the six seven things that the Lord hates yeah um, and lying in tongue is in there and then causing division amongst brethren yeah Amanda if that's on or not okay. So back when I was a kid, we got kicked out of Worldwide, but yet that Worldwide mentality sort of followed us on through to the rest of our 
relationships with different churches. I can't tell you how many we split from and just, you know what I'm talking about. And so it just, it impacted us kids in a big way. So when I married Matt and came here, sticking, staying here, finding a place to call home and just getting to love these people and not wonder when we're going to move on and when the split's going to happen and how bitter it's going to be. It's been just, there's nothing that can compare to that. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's back to what James says at the beginning, right? How you know, good and bad can come out of us, you know, good speech and bad speech. It's crazy how evil people can be with Scripture. I, I, you're, you're reading the Scripture and you're using it as a tool to bludgeon somebody. It, it, it blows the mind, but that is, that's the nature that we're fighting against, right? We have this new nature in Christ, and we're trying to get rid of that old guy that keeps clawing his way out of the grave. Ron? Yeah, something we experienced when we moved up here, we put the kids in a Christian school, thinking that's going to be what we need to do. Yeah. And turns out after a couple of years of that, the boys voiced to us that, uh, they were being made fun of in school, even to the point of being judged to be going to hell. <laughs> yeah, and we're trying to teach them truth, and so, yeah. so this Christian school is doing that. We put them in public school to get out of that situation. <laughs> Imagine that. That's kind so of... anyway, it wasn't our faith, uh, you know, what they believe, but right. still, out of the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Dollar. Um, something similar with me. I grew up in a very small town, <clears throat> a Christian town, and our Christian beliefs weren't the same as others. And so it was very much, an, we're outsiders because of that. And I learned that small communities aren't necessarily welcoming nice communities. Sometimes there's good in the big. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we are out of time. Um, I, I would, uh, I think it's a good idea uh, for us to just kind of wrap up the session with a, a prayer about this particularly because we all have tongues and we can all misuse our tongues. And I think it's really good to, to ask God for help in that. So let's, let's just pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for this Bible study. We thank you for the opportunity to, to just remind ourselves of some very important attributes about our heart, our mind, and therefore what our tongue says. And how that we can praise you with that same tongue as we can condemn others um, for, for reasons that we feel justified. And, and so, Father, we just ask that you would help us all individually and as a community together to, to guard our tongues, to, to guard our mind and our heart and our tongues, to be aware of our speech, uh, and for it to not just be today or tomorrow as we're thinking about it, but continuing on as, as you remind us through the Spirit and through your Word as we, we do these just simple Bible studies that can remind us of these critical, important truths. So we just ask for your blessing uh, on what we've studied today. Ask that you help us to remember it and consider our speech and how we talk to one another and talk to those in the world and our family and friends. And we just we thank you for this insight and we ask for your wisdom. And we ask for the humility to accept that wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.